Well, good evening. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. If you don't know where that is, it is a book in the Bible. You have to turn about to the middle of your Bible. You're going to go Psalms, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. And that's where we're going to spend some time uh, over the next few weeks. I don't know exactly how many weeks. I'm aiming at about 12, which Brandon says that'll put us close to Easter. So we're going to spend the winter months in the book of Ecclesiastes. I get real nervous when I start a new book. I really do. I don't know how it's going to go. I feel like in Matthew, we've been there for like three years now. So I, I feel like we know where we're going, what we're doing. When you start a book, especially the book of Ecclesiastes, you, you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. It's a very obscure book. I think it's a very difficult book. It's been called one of the most difficult books in the entire Bible. This is not Christianity 101. This is an advanced level of, of, uh, of Bible study here tonight. So we're going to have to, to think a little bit on this. So that, that, that makes it difficult in that it's a, it's a hard book to understand. And I know you're asking, and I'm going to answer this as best as I can, why in the world are you taking us to Ecclesiastes? Um, a book about life, a book about the meaning of life and the purpose of life, answering life's biggest questions and life's ultimate question uh, of what life is all about. I mean, that, that's what we're looking at tonight. So, Josh, why are you taking us there? And, and I think that Brandon has said that it's because I'm 40 years old now and I'm in a midlife crisis and I'm trying to figure life out. And maybe that's true. I don't know. But I think the real answer is that we're going to the book of Ecclesiastes because it'll help us to live life well. That in this world, and this is a wisdom book, in a world without wisdom, and we're living in a world that has gone nuts. We're living in a world that's gone crazy. We're living in a world full of people that don't know how to live life. In this world without wisdom, God's people need wisdom. In this world that is full of chaos, God's people need calm. In this world that has a wrong perspective on everything, we need a right perspective. In this world where everything is broken, we need to be fixed. And that's what this book will do to us as we study it. It'll, it'll help us to live life. So I'm going to look at these first 11 verses tonight, and the title of the sermon is, What is Life All About? Answering a big question. So let's stand together. I want to read the first 11 verses of the book of Ecclesiastes. And I hope that was a long enough introduction there to let you guys find Ecclesiastes, that you went to your opening pages, found the page number, and you got yourself there. Now you can bookmark it and know where we're going to be for the next few weeks. So starting there in verse 1, this is a, a, the book of Ecclesiastes. Or maybe I don't know what your book says underneath it, but mine says, or the preacher. And that's what the word Ecclesiastes means. It's Kohelet in the, in the Hebrew. It's, it's uh, the preacher, which that's a good title. I like that anyway. Starting in verse 1, it says, the words of the preacher the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath, hath, hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passes away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to its place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about to the north, it whirleth about continually. The wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Under the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath already been of old time, which was before us. 
There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are come that, that are to come with those that shall come after. The preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem. Let's stop there. Father, we thank you for your word and that you have not left us without answers, even to the most difficult things in life. And I think that's where we're about to jump into tonight, God. And, and it is, it's been hard. I, I, God, you know that I've wrestled with this passage. I've wrestled with this book, um, trying my best to wrap my arms around it, to wrap my mind around it, trying to understand some of these hard questions of life. And God, I know that as we study it tonight, I'm going to need your spirit to help me to preach these things well and to teach them well. And God, I know the people that are listening here tonight are going to need, again, your spirit to help them and enable them to learn about life. And I know many here tonight are, are older and they've experienced life and maybe they know these things. But God, for the younger people that are here or that will listen later, help us to learn some very valuable truths about life and what life is all about. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to give you a few quotes about life that I found this week. Only three. And you guys can, can help me if you want to kind of guess who said these things. Uh, and, the, and I'm going to show you that these are some of the things that are out there in the world that people are trying to figure out life. And they come up with these little snippets, these little sound bites, these little bumper sticker sayings about life trying to help us to understand it. So I'm going to give you three. You guys can, can tell me who you think said these things. The first one is, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, does anybody know who said that one? Forrest Gump. Okay, you got that one. I, I, I started you off easy. How about this one? The purpose of our lives is to be happy. That is the Dalai Lama said that one. I knew you probably wouldn't get that one. And the third one, you might be able to, to, to get this one. He's probably the most famous preacher in the world today. And he said, choosing to be positive and have a grateful attitude determines how you live your life and how you can live your best life now. Anybody want to guess who said that one? Joel Osteen said that one. That, that's just a, a few of the quotes I found about life, of people trying to figure out life, people trying to figure out the answers to all that life will throw at them. And everybody's looking for answers. If you go into a bookstore, you're going to find life books on, on how to live life and how to have a better life and how to have your, your best life. Everybody's looking for answers. For, looking for answers on the meaning of life, what the value and the purpose of life is, why are we here, how should we live, why is there evil in the world, why do good people suffer, why are there cancer wards in children's hospitals. These are deep, profound, philosophical questions that are, that are hard to answer that, that we usually don't talk about as we're having dinner with each other. This isn't... Uh, uh, conversation that we're having over coffee. This isn't stuff that we talk about at work. These are deep, hard, profound questions that people are trying to answer. And there's no easy answers. Again, there's no bumper sticker quotes or sentimental answers that we can find to, to figure all these things out because life is hard, it's messy, it's brutal, it's complex, and we don't have all the answers. But God does. And God hasn't left us without answers. He's given us everything that we need to know about life. And I believe that He's given us this book. And not, not just the Bible. I believe that the Bible is all the answers that we need for life and for godliness. But He's given us the book of Ecclesiastes in particular to answer life's hardest questions. We say, who's, who does He use here to answer these questions? 
Look there with me at verse 1. I want to tell you the author. It says the words of the preacher. That word preacher again is Kohelet and it means teacher. It means counselor. And then it says the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And there's, he's not being very specific there in telling us who it is. But we know that it is the son of David and Bathsheba, Solomon. He wrote this book. He wrote most of the, the wisdom books. And, and we know that he, had, he was probably the most wise man to ever live on the face of the earth. God gave him any request that he would, he would want. God came to him and said, you can have anything you want. Just, just name it and I'll give it to you. You can have all the riches of the world and, and you can have, just, just name it and I'll give it to you. And he asked for wisdom. I want to be wise. And God gave him wisdom. And he became the wisest man to ever live. He was brilliant. He was, and, he, and he didn't learn it. It wasn't like God just said, okay, boom, wisdom. He learned every, everything that he learned was through experience. He had to live it. And I want to show you that. Look with me at verse 12. It says, I, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail. He went on a pursuit to understand life. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. He says in verse 14, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Is that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I'm come to a great estate, and I've gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. My heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. He says in verse 18, For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. This man knew more than any man who's ever lived on the face of the earth. He was the wisest man to ever live. He was the wealthiest man to ever live, so he knows about money. He was the most womanizing man to ever live, so he knows about relationships. There's nothing that he didn't experience and that he didn't go through that he now turns around and before a crowd of people, that's what he's doing. He's the preacher standing up in front of a bunch of people and he's got, he's old, he's got gray hair and he's standing up at the end of his life. He's lived it all. He's done it all. He's got the t-shirt and he stands up in front of what would be a young crowd and the preacher stands up. The Kohelet stands up. This wise man. The man with all the answers. The, the, the teacher of, of teachers. And he stands up and he tells us everything that he's learned about life. We don't have to go through what he went through and experience what he experienced. We get to learn from his experience. It's always better to learn from somebody else's experience instead of your own. Say somebody goes, your, your brother goes up and, and touches his hand on a hot stove and burns it. I need to learn not to touch my hand on there from his experience so I don't go up there and do it myself. It's always better to learn from somebody else's experience instead of learning it on your own. So we get to all the experience of Solomon, all that he went through, all that he learned all, through a whole life of trying to figure it out. And here at the end, he gives us the answers. The wisest man in the world and I'll say this, not just the wisest man at that time, but the wisest man who will ever live, aside from Jesus himself, is giving us the answers to life. So let's look at this tonight. Let's think it over. What is life all about? 
Because he starts in the first 11 verses and he gives us the answer before he even gives the rest of the book. So let's look at it. What is life all about? He starts off with, and and I'm going to give you three points as we work our way through these 11 verses. But I, I want to start with, and each one of these points are going to be a question. First of all, is life meaningless? Is life meaningless? He starts with it in verse 2. He says it there. He says, in, in verse 2, he says the same word five times in one verse. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's his conclusion. That life is vanity. Whatever, whatever the word vanity is, that's his big idea. That's what he's figured it all out. He's standing up in front of a bunch of, of young people, a bunch of students. The teacher stands up. The old wise man stands up. And I've been through it all. And I know it all. Wealthy, wise relationships. I've been through everything. There's nothing he didn't experience. And he stands up and he says, here's the conclusion, guys. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. That's his conclusion. And he'll say that 38 times in Ecclesiastes. Five here. He starts with it. He ends with it. I just want to show you a few of them. Because this is his main idea. This is what life is all about. It's vanity. Whatever the word vanity is, this is his conclusion. Look what he says. I want you to see it. Chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanity of vanities. Say the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Go down to verse uh, 14. I've seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is, is, is vanity. There's that word. Chapter 2, verse 1, and I won't go all the way through it, but he says, behold, this is also vanity. Verse 11, and he says, behold, all was vanity. Verse 15, also is vanity. Verse 17, for all is vanity. Verse 19, this also is vanity. Now I'm going to go to the end of the book. You guys don't have to go there with me. But chapter 12, verse 8, as he's closing, he says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. So what is his main idea? His big point that he's trying to give everybody about life. What is life all about? It's vanity. So what's he trying to tell us here? What's he trying to hammer in? And when he says vanity of vanities, he's taking it to the highest degree. It's not just vanity, it's a, it's a multiplied vanity. So the entire book is telling us this truth. The vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So now you have to ask, what in the world does vanity mean? And I've spent all week trying to study that one word and what it means. Because if you don't get this word, you don't get the rest of Ecclesiastes. We've got to understand what vanity is. So what is vanity? And I'm going to spend a a little bit of time here because you have to know what vanity is. Vanity can be a place where your little girl sits down with a mirror and in a drawer and fixes her makeup. That could be a vanity. Does anybody have a vanity like that? We know that it's not that. Oh, Sophia's got a vanity. There's a vanity. That could be a piece of furniture. It can also be pride. You're so vain, I bet you think this sermon is about you. It can be, it can be pride. It can be conceited. It can be that, that you're a narcissist, that you're full of yourself. It can be pride in that way. And in vanity that, that you walk around thinking you're, you're the greatest thing in the world. Is that what he's saying? That life is nothing but, but vanity and, and pride? Life is nothing but a, a piece of furniture? No, that's not what it is. The word vanity in the Hebrew is hebel, or as the, the Jews would say, hebel. 
<laughs> I thought that was good. I was really worried. I, I practiced that in front of the mirror. I practiced that in front of my vanity. Chabel. You say, what, what does that word mean? There's two options. It can mean meaningless. This is what I said. Is life meaningless? Is he saying meaningless, meaningless, saith the preacher. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. There's nothing in life that has meaning. There's no purpose. There's no substance. Is he standing up in front of a crowd of people and saying everything is meaningless? Everything you do, getting up in the morning, it's meaningless. Getting married, meaningless. Having kids, meaningless. Is, is, that, is that what he's saying? It's all, it's all a waste. There's nothing to it. And I, I followed that word and, and, and looked it up in the, in the Hebrew as I went through it. And, and in 1 Kings, the word meaningless or, or vanity is used for idols. Meaningless, nothingness. It's empty. Job 35 says Job opens his mouth in vain with empty words. Nothing to it. It's just, it's just emptiness. It's, it's meaningless words. So it could be that life is meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It could mean that. But I don't think the Bible teaches us that. And there's a lot of preachers and a lot of, a lot of teachers and a lot of theologians that believe that that's what he's saying. I've lived it all and all of it is a waste. I believe that the Bible teaches that there's some things that are meaningful. I don't think this is the, the, the meaning here. I, I don't think he's saying that life is meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, saith the preacher. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's the other interpretation that the word means breath. <laughs> I like this. That the word means vapor or mist. I went out for a run yesterday evening and it got cold and as I was running you could see my breath as I was running. And that's what that word is. Vanity. Breath. Fleeting. A puff of smoke that comes out of your mouth. The steam that comes up off of the coffee cup as you drink it in the morning and you sit there and you smell it and, and, the, and it comes up and it's here for a second and then it's gone. And that breath that comes out of my mouth, it comes out just for a second and then it's gone. There's brevity about it. You can't grab a hold of it. Have you ever tried to grab a hold of a puff of smoke? You just can't. You can't grab it. You can't grab a hold of it. It's, it's there for a second and it's gone the next second and you can't, you just can't get control of it. I think that's what he's talking about here. That life is here one second and it's gone the next. That it's, it's passing so fast and that, it, that it's here and it's gone. And it's like smoke that you just can't, you can't grab onto. You want to hold on to a moment and, and it just doesn't last. Your greatest day, let it last forever. Christmas day, I want it, I want this day to last. And then all of a sudden the, the, the clock changes and the day's gone. Where did life go? It's fleeting. My mom looks at me now and she'll say, I remember when you were just a little boy, bouncing on my knee. Like, Mom, I'll still do that. But it seems like just yesterday that you were just my little boy. Where did the time go? Seems like it was just a puff of smoke. And I wanted to hold on to it. But it got away from me. It got away from me. I think that's what he means. That life is passing by so fast. That this old man got up and he lived it all. 
And he's not being a pessimist and saying life is meaningless. He looks up and says to students, I was just in your shoes not too long ago. Seems like just the other day I was your age. And life is passing me by. That's what he's talking about. That's what life is. We all understand that. When you're 15 years old and you're trying to get to 16 so you can get your license, time seems so slow. Just one day takes a century. But when you get my age and you start looking at your kids and they go from here to here in like six months, and all you want to do is hold them in your arms one more time, life is passing by fast. Like a puff of smoke that you just can't get your hands on. You say, Josh, prove that to me. And I can. Job 7, 16 says, I waste away. I will not live forever. Leave me alone for my days are nothing but a breath. Same word, just a breath. Psalm 39, 5. Behold, you have made my days as a hand breath. My lifetime is nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. And then it says, say law. Think about that. Psalm 144.4 says, man is like a mere breath. His days are nothing but a passing shadow. The New Testament says the same thing. John or James 4 says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that, that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. Let me give you another one. Genesis chapter 4 Adam and Eve had two boys, one named Cain, one named, named Abel. The firstborn was Cain. He was a murderer, and he murdered the secondborn Abel. And that was the first death that Adam and Eve ever saw. It was the first dead body they'd ever seen. It was the first burial they ever performed. And it was, it was something that, that, that they never had experienced before. And the name of their son Abel was breath. Wasn't he just our child? And now he's gone. And the name Abel is used for shortness of life. So vanity means life is passing quickly. Solomon was young and it went so fast and he couldn't grasp it and he couldn't figure it out. And he couldn't get it to make sense. And he couldn't control it. And this is the foundational, fundamental truth of this whole book of Ecclesiastes that you have to grab on to what that word vanity means. It's not meaningless. Life isn't meaningless. Life has meaning. But in that short little breath of a life that we have, we better pursue what has meaning. That's what the whole book is about. If you want to find what life is all about, you understand that life is nothing but a breath. My life is nothing but a breath, so I need to find now what's worth living for and what has meaning. We can't move on until you understand that. I think he's saying fleeting, fleeting. Life is fleeting. All is passing by so fast. I was just a young boy and now I'm old. It's passing me by so fast. I was just a little boy and now I'm 40. And I believe that it, it'll, it'll go as, as, as my time has gone. I believe that it won't be like this. And I'll be 60. 
or I'll be 80. If the Lord lets me have that many years. It won't be like this. And Isaiah, a 13-year-old, will be a 23-year-old with kids of his own. And Gracie Bell will be 33 years old. And she'll have kids of her own. And I'll be a grandparent. And I'll look back and say, wasn't it just the other day that I was 40? That's what he's saying. And if you understand that, you start looking for things that have meaning. And that's what he's going to teach us. Let's move to the second question. If that was, is life meaningless? The second question is, is there any fulfillment in life? Is there any fulfillment in life? Because then he comes to verse 3, and this is a question that he's going to try to answer throughout. If verse 2 is, is the, the truth that he's trying to get across to us, then verse 3 is the, is the question that he's going to try to answer. He says there in verse 3, and this is the question. He asks it six times in Ecclesiastes. Read through it. I think it'll take you 23 minutes to read the book of Ecclesiastes. From chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to chapter 12. So it won't take you long. But he asks that same question six times, and will spend the whole book trying to answer it. Is there anything that satisfies me in this short little life that I have to live? Is there anything in this life that will bring me fulfillment? That, that's the question. Is, is there anything that will fulfill me, that will make me happy? Let's, let's make that point number two. Is there anything in life to make me happy? Is there anything that has meaning? Is there anything that, that, that can make me happy? And look what he says. What profit, I like this, what labor, he's talking about work, our jobs, what we do all, the, all day long. What profit hath a man in all of his labor, which he taketh under the sun? What profit is there in my work and my, my, in my toil that we spend our life working our fingers to the bone day after day, week after week, nine to five? He says, what profit is it in us even working? What gain do we get? What, what, what advantage is there in all the work and all the labor that we do throughout all of our life? Are we just wasting our lives in, in, in pursuit of work? This is the question. What, what, what's, what's there to gain? What's it all about? Why do I do it? What's the point? What he's saying is, is look at verse 4. He says, one generation passes away and another generation comes. But the earth keeps on spinning. We live, we work, we die, and the and the, the globe keeps going around and never stops. What is the purpose of it all? What do we gain from it? What's the what's the advantage? It's like saying, I'm mowed today. What's the point in it? I'm just going to, have to mow again next week. It's like Steph when she says, I I, I washed clothes today. I'm just going to go ahead and do it next week. Or I vacuum today. I'm going to have to do it again next week. And the, and the next week. And the, the next week. And, and you get fed up with it and you say, what's the point of it all? Monday's always coming and you're, you're doing the same old job day after day after day. I, I mean, you're, uh, tomorrow I'm preaching three sermons today and the fourth that we had on Wednesday. But you know what? It's not done. I start all over on Monday. And we just keep on doing it. It's a cycle of life. We live, we work, we die. The globe keeps spinning. He says, what's the point of it all? What's the advantage of it all? What am I doing here? What profit do we have? And he gives an illustration. He says, look at this. Verse 5. The sun will come up. The sun will go down. 
A sun will come up. A sun will go down. A sun will come up. A sun will go down. It's just how life is. We keep doing the same things over and over and over. It's the the monotony of life. The repetition of life. The the mundane. The same old, same old. And he looks at it and he says, what's the point in it all? This is what he's asking. Then he goes to the sun. Where he said the sun, now he goes to the wind. The wind goes to the south. The wind goes to the north. It just whirls continually. And then it returns to where it started. Just back and forth and back and forth. The weather keeps going. What's the point of it all? That's what he's asking. Move to the third, the next one, the rivers. All the rivers run into the sea. And it just keeps on running. You ever thought about that? All the rivers run into the sea and the sea never overflows. Where does it all go? It's a good question. Brandon could probably answer it. The rivers have been running into the sea for centuries. But the seas never overflow. It just keeps on going. That's what he says. The rivers run in the sea. The sea is not full. Under the place from whence the rivers come, they, they, they go again. And it just says that it, life is like that. And you guys know that. We've all experienced that. Unless you're young and things are new and things are fresh and you don't have a job and you go from grade to grade to grade and, and everything's different and everything's fun. And then you get, you get experience in life and you're like, the sun comes up and the sun comes down. The wind blows to the north, the wind blows to the south. The rivers flow there, the rivers flow there. It's just re- repeating itself over and over and over. We live, we work, we die, the earth keeps spinning. That's what he's saying. What's the point in it all? This is what he's going to answer. What's the point in it all? It's like getting on a treadmill. You're going nowhere. I like running. I don't like running on a treadmill. Just sitting there in one spot. Ain't going nowhere. Well, I mean, it's just it's a, it's a waste. That's what he's saying. It's just I'm just like, it's like I'm running on a treadmill. It just keeps on spinning. And I keep on running in place. And I ain't getting nowhere and I ain't getting nothing out of it. We just keep on going. I, I, I work so that I can eat, so that I can work, so that I can eat, so that I work, so that I can eat. And it's just one thing over and over and over. Sun comes up, sun goes down, wind goes this way, wind goes that way, rivers flow, return back to where they were. It's just monotony of life. What's the point in it all? All this repetition, all this cycle, labor, work and toil. And he says at verse 8, all that labor and none of it ever satisfies. None of it ever fulfills. Our eyes are never satisfied with seeing and our ears are never filled with hearing. Just keep on going. Nothing ever fulfills us. Nothing ever satisfies us. There's never a point where we get in life where we just say, you know what? I'm satisfied. And we just keep on going until the day we die. You say, Josh, this is kind of tough. It is. He's giving us the realities of life. This is foundational. Once you find out, I love this, once you find out that there's nothing out there that can satisfy you, you start looking for that one thing that can satisfy you. 
And that's what he's saying there. He's standing up in front of all these young people. And, and that's what it is. He's the teacher or the, the Kohelet, the preacher. And he stands up again, gray-headed, maybe even having a cane. And he's lived it all. He's married and had concubines and wives and, and money and kingdoms and wisdom. He knows it all. He's been it all. And, and he stands up and now he says, here's what I know, guys. Here's what I know. Life is passing by quick. And he'll tell us that. And none of the things that I pursued satisfied me. I mean, you, you can look at it. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I sought out to enjoy pleasure. And behold, it, it, it just passed away. It didn't satisfy. Verse 15 of chapter 2 is the same thing. He said, I, I'm, I'm chasing this. And it, it just passed me by. Verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, it's all, I, I chased all, everything and it turned out to be vexation of spirit. None of it satisfied. None of it fulfilled me. And by the time he gets to chapter 12, he's going to spend it. He's going to say, I, I tried this and it didn't work. 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 And you get to chapter 12 and he finally says, here's what satisfied me. Here's what fulfilled me. Here's what made me happy. You'll have to be with us for 12 weeks to get to the answer. I'll probably give it to you tonight. So that's the second question. Is there anything out there to satisfy me? Does life have meaning? Does life have fulfillment? And number three, does life have any hope? Go to verse nine. Question mark. Does life have hope? He says in verse 9, the thing that hath been is that which shall be. That which is done is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? Nope, it, is, it hath been already of old time, which was before us. He says there that there's no hope in anything new coming along to satisfy you. That's what he says. There will be no new inventions. There will be no new discoveries. Nothing new will come along and add meaning to your life or bring you satisfaction. That's what he says. I mean, I, he's standing up in front of them because the students are probably sitting there saying, oh, no, I know you've lived in the, in the old days and you don't have what we have and it didn't satisfy you and it bring, didn't bring meaning to your life. But let me tell you what we're going to have and, and we're going to end up having this and, and this new invention or new discovery with this, this, new, this new journey that we'll take. It's going to fulfill me. It'll bring meaning to my life. And he says, there's nothing that's going to come along that will ever fulfill you or give you meaning in this life. None of it will. There's nothing new coming. It's all the same. Nothing's going to change. He says, this is how it is. This is how it will be. And it doesn't matter what comes along, it won't satisfy you or bring meaning to your life. That's what he says. Because we can all sit here and say, now, well, Solomon didn't know what we know. Solomon didn't have Snapchat. That fulfills me. You say, that's new. Cell phones are new. You know what cell phones are? A means of communication. That's what they are. Do you think Solomon had a means of communication in his life? Yeah, he wrote letters. 
There was, there was all kinds of people writing him letters. He wrote this in Ecclesiastes. I mean, he, he had a means of communication. It may have been slower than our means of communication. I mean, this took months to get to somebody. But our little text messages that, that aren't nearly as good as this, we, we send a little BRB, you know. You know, we send, so we, we have, he had communication. Our communication is different, but it's not new. That's not new. So he's saying, that's not going to satisfy you. That's not going to bring you fulfillment. There's nothing new coming along that's not already been made. There's nothing new under the sun. You saw, he didn't know about Facebook. <laughs> you know what they had? They talked to people face to face and had books. It, it was, it's just a, Facebook's just a bulletin board. They had the same thing then. Go to the center of town and, and take a, a, a thumbtack and, and put it on the wall and, and here it is. I know we, he probably didn't go out there and say, here's what I had for lunch today. You know, That's what we do. That's how bored we are. But they had the same thing we do. That's not new. You say, we got entertainment. We got games that we play in, and, and playstations. And we got little, little games on our phone that we can play. We got TVs that we can watch that entertain us and make us cry. And they make us laugh. And they get us excited. He didn't have that. That'll bring me fulfillment. That'll bring me meaning. They didn't have TVs, but they had court gestures. You know what that is? Little, little, little bit clowns. <laughs> that, 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 that they'd say, okay, come here in front of us and dance and make me laugh. And they dance and, and, and you know, they sit there and say, okay, do something sad and make me cry. They have little games, they, you know, maybe checkers and maybe, maybe chess that they play to entertain them. And maybe their games were a little bit different than ours, but it's the same thing. And there's no meaning and there's no satisfaction in those things. There's nothing new under the sun. By the way, I think that that's what we should call actors. Clowns dancing for us to make us laugh. That's all they are. I probably shouldn't say that. But we pay actors millions of dollars to make us laugh. And they stand up and try to tell us how to think and what to believe. And they're nothing but dancing clowns. Putting on a mask and putting on a show for us so that we can laugh and cry. And entertain us. Does that mean for me to say? Probably. Let's move on. You say, well, <laughs> he couldn't travel like we travel. We have cars. We, we have cars. And we can soup those cars up and we can go really, really fast. And that'll fulfill me. That, that'll, be, that'll, that'll give me meaning in life. I can go wherever I want. I can get on a Harley Davidson and, and broom, broom. That's the, I'm using the same Hebrew. Broom. <laughs> and I can get the wind in my hair and I can enjoy it. And it's like a breeze, isn't it? You get on that ride and you've got to get off at some point. Well, he had horses. And he had chariots. He might not be able to ride the roads that we ride on, but he rode on roads. He might not be able to take the vacations that we take and get on an airplane or, or a cruise ship and, and go to the islands, but they could go on trips and they had vacations. And he said, none of that brought me meaning. None of that brought me satisfaction. And that's not new. It's just a, a new way of doing it. So it's not going to come along and say, yes, that's new. There's nothing new under the sun. You say, we can go to the moon. He couldn't go to the moon. You guys are just trying to get me, ain't you? You know what would happen if we, if we landed on the moon? You go to the moon, and you stay there for a while, and you're going to get bored out of your mind. Because there's only one thing you can see, and it's the earth. And you'll have fun bouncing around for a day or two. 
And then you're going to sit there and say, I miss Netflix. Nothing has, will satisfy you. Nothing will bring you fulfillment. Nothing is new under the sun. That's what he's saying there. It's all the same thing. And it always will be. Everybody's trying to give us something new to fulfill us and satisfy us and give us meaning. Is it not what a commercial is? New iPhone. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> and it never does. Take this trip. Here's you a $600. <laughs> that'll satisfy you. For how long until we need another $600? Nothing new under the sun. You say, I can get me a new wife. <laughs> Solomon had like 800. He said, believe me, they won't satisfy you. He had more than anybody in the history of the world had. And concubines. He won't. Nothing new under the sun, he says. That thing that hath been is that thing that will be. That which is done shall be without that which is done. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything whereof that it may be that said, see, this is new. No, it's, it's, and I challenge you to do that. Bring me something after church and say, this is new. Brand new. Solomon had nothing like it. And Solomon says, no, no, no. We'll look back and say, no, that was from old. Just a little bit different. He didn't have PlayStation, but he had games. He says, and none of it's going to satisfy you. Go back to our main point. <laughs> if you're looking for something, that's hopeless. You're not going to find it. And then he says, not only is, is there nothing new coming along, he says, and you won't be remembered when you die. <laughs> Look what he says in verse 11. And we're, we're going to close. This, this is the hopelessness of life. We've looked at the meaningless of life, the happiness of life, and now the hopelessness of life. He says there's no, there's no new thing coming along and then when you die, everybody's going to forget about you. <laughs> Do you see that? There's no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those things that shall come after. Do you see what he's saying there? I, mean, I think this is as, as, as low as he can get in this. Sooner or later, we all die. And then we will all be forgotten. The, this generation forgets the last generation. And the next generation forgets this generation. That's what he's saying. He's giving us generations. Right now in this generation, we've all forgotten the last generation. And this generation will be the past generation at some point, And the future generation will forget the present generation. And the cycle just keeps going. We all die and sooner or later we'll be forgotten. I did a little research this evening. <laughs> I sent a message out just to see what my sisters would say. To see how far back they could name their grandparents and great-grandparents. I can name back, and I, I tried this. I can name, of my great-grandparents, I could name great-grandparents. I can name all my grandparents. But I can only name three of my great-grandparents. And I can name zero of my great-great-grandparents. How many generations is that? And I've completely forgotten my own family. Which tells me, and I, I could tell you, my, I figured it out. My dad's side and my great-grandparents are Nora and Frank Tompkins, and my mom's side is Belle and Weird. I didn't know the Weird. That was the one I was missing. 
which tells me that my kids will remember me, my grandkids will remember me, but my great-grandkids will barely remember me. After that, I'm nothing but a tombstone. You're sitting there saying, whoa, that's heavy. You say that again? My kids will definitely remember me. And they'll tell their kids, boy, my dad was funny. <laughs> that's, that's what they'll tell them, boy. And, and their kids will come to my house and they'll sit on my lap and, and I'll make them laugh. And it, you know. But then my great-grandkids will be like, what was, it? What, what, what was his name? Who sent a text to, to, to my kids saying, who was that? What was and then they'll, they'll probably make fun of my name, just like I just did of Weird. I mean, they, my, my dad sent me that name, Weird. And I said, is that spell check? What's Weird? And I, I thought, that's, that's my great-grandfather. And I don't know who he is, and I made fun of his name, Weird. Generations to come. The, what was his name? Josh? <laughs> Joshua Gerald? Where'd the Gerald come from? Oh, you want to go back another generation? My kids will remember me. My grandkids will. My great-grandkids will barely remember me. And after that, I'm nothing but a tombstone. So he says, there's nothing new and none of it lasts. If that's not a reality check, I don't know what is. You say, Josh, this is what you wanted to preach to us? <laughs> so what do we do with this? And I'll close. I think knowing these truths about meaningless, happiness, hopelessness, ought to change the way we live our life today. That life is short, it's fleeting, it's passing, it's out of control, and it's often disappointing, and it's often a... a uh, just a, a constant thing of, uh, of living the same day over and over and over. Life is short. Death is certain. It's coming. It's coming before you know it. It's like a puff of smoke. It'll be here and, 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 and you'll be gone before it's over with. The Puritans used to say that a wise man knows the length of his tether. Tether. So life is short. Death is certain. And eternity is long. Eternity will not be a vapor. It will not be a puff of smoke. Eternity will go on and 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 on. And throughout eternity, you'll look back at life and it'll just be a little period of time that'll look like nothing but a puff of smoke. And when you know these things, that life is short, death is certain, eternity is, is long, it changes what you do right now. It changes how you live right now. You better find something that fulfills your life right now. That truly is fulfilling. You better find something that is meaningful in life right now. You better find something in life that gives you hope. You better find something. And that's what Solomon is going to do throughout the rest of this book. He's going to jump off into a search looking for that thing that brings meaning to his life and that fulfills his life and brings hope to his life. And at the end of it all, he says in chapter 12, and you can turn there with me, he says in chapter 12, I think it's verse 3. It's not verse 3. 
Chapter 12, I want to find it. No, chapter 12, verse 13. At the very end of the book, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Do you see that? He found meaning, fulfillment, and hope. And he tells us what it is at the end of chapter 12. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. You say, Josh, you don't have to do the rest of the 12 weeks. If this is what life is all about. That's what it's about. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. That's the wisest man in the world says this is what it's all about. This is where he found hope, fulfillment, and meaning in fearing God and keeping His commandments. This is where we will find the same thing. So I urge you tonight not to waste our lives. If you want to have meaning and fulfillment and hope, you've got to trust in Jesus with all your heart because in the end, that's all that matters. And you've got to live for Jesus with all your strength and all your might. Because that's the only life worth living. And that's what life is all about. Trusting in Christ and living for Christ. Trusting in Christ and living for Christ is what life's all about. And he'll say some things that that you can find joy and happiness in life, but it all starts with fearing God and keeping his commandments. That's the whole matter. That's what life is all about. And we'll look at it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for giving us a dose of reality tonight. And I've spent weeks in this trying to understand it and comprehend it and wrap my arms around it. This is something we have to think about and try to comprehend and let it change and mold the way we live and the way we behave ourselves. So God, help us all as we live this, as we go through this book to live lives that that fear you and keep your commandments help us to do those things and i think that's the wisest way for us to live thank you for our time that we've had here tonight and studying your word i pray that it's been valuable that the labor and the toll that we put into studying reading uh, applying that we can walk out and say i'm glad to have heard that tonight and it changes the way we live today and we ask and we pray these things in jesus name amen